Today we're in week three of our movement series, and this has been a series that we've been discussing um, discipleship and what discipleship is and what discipleship isn't, or, or maybe even a little bit of a how-to as to how do you do it and why does it matter. And so we've been discussing this for the last couple of weeks, and then the first week we talked about the Shema. The, the, the most famous, the most prayed, the most recited prayer in all of Judaism. We see it in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we talked, we, we talked through like why Moses shared this and why it matters and why in, in everything that we do, especially as the family unit, why, why pointing people and instructing our, our, our children and our families to, to grow in wisdom and understanding of, of, of who God is and what God is about, like why that matters. And it was such an incredible week. And then last week, we talked through um, uh, what it looks like for our church to be discipling, what that looks like very, very literally for us as the, the church to disciple and what that means and how that could affect and change everything. And we spent a little bit of time in uh, Matthew chapter 28 and the, the Great Commission. And we talked last week that we're going to go a little bit more in depth this week in it. And so as promised, we're going to spend a little bit of time in Matthew chapter 28, and specifically one word. There's one word in Matthew 28 that we're specifically going to look at that, that w- when, we, when we really understand what it is and what's being talked about, about how it really changes the way that we read the Great Commission. So um, Matthew chapter 28, let's just jump right in. Uh, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we've heard this before like we 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 understand like we've heard the great commission we know kind of what he's talking about and all that good stuff but but there's a word in this go that we oftentimes misunderstand like we read it as a command like what we would tell our kids like go brush your teeth or go take a shower go stop stinking go mow the yard go wash the car not today that would be pointless but but we, we 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 tell our kids or we tell people go as a command go to these places go go do this go do that. And here we read the word go as a command as well. We read Jesus's words as him saying, go, like go to these places, like a physical action that we are to go and do something. But, but the word go in this, that when you're at, when you really look at it to see how it's translated and, and, and what they're really saying, it, it, it transforms everything. The word go in the Greek is actually poreuthentis, or something like that. Poreuthentis, which when it's translated, actually means having gone, or as you are going. This is way more than a command. 
This is way more than, hey, go brush your teeth. Like, this is far, far bigger than this. This isn't, like, it, basically, he's, he's under this impression, this understanding that we are going to be going anyways. We're going to be living on mission. We're going to be living with, living with this purpose or this, this understanding that, that we're, we're pointing people constantly towards Jesus. And so it's more than just a command. Go, as you are going, make disciples. As you are going. And here's the thing that's kind of eye-opening for me is that we oftentimes, we look at this story and we, we, we think of the word like go and make disciples as, well, let's sell everything that we have. Let's, let's, let's move to some third world country and let's, let's, let's go and make disciples there. Which for some of us, let me be very clear, for some of us, that's exactly what it is that God is calling us to. But when we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus never traveled more than 200 miles away from his home. And so his go, when he's, when he's saying these things, it's as you were going, as you were living your life, as you were doing the things that you were already created to be doing, as you go, make disciples. And there's this really awesome story that um, it, it it, it shows this pretty clear, and, and I, I love it. It, it, it. And as I've been reading and studying over the last couple of weeks in this, in this story, it's just, I've just fallen in love with it all over again. But it's the story of, of Philip in Acts chapter 8. So we're, gonna, we're just going to read through this story. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that, turns, that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into his carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me. Was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus, and he preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. So Philip was already on this journey. He, he, he was already in motion. He was, he was already traveling, already going somewhere. Sure, like the, the, the spirit came upon him and he, he told him, he's like, go. And so he just went. So he may not have known exactly where he was going or exactly what it was that he was to be doing, but he was he was going. He, was, he knew that something had to be done. He knew that, that the kingdom was expanding. And so on his travels, the, the, the Spirit created this intersection. 
When I was in student ministry growing up, uh, my parents were volunteers for our student ministry, which for some of you may be thinking like, wow, that's really cool. For me, that meant that I got away with nothing. That meant that I, that I had to be on my best behavior most of the time, especially when they weren't looking or when they were looking. But they, that meant that they were always there, like always checking up on me, always thumping me in the face if I had done something stupid. But during that time, I was able to see two of the best disciplers that I've ever seen. I was able to watch them in action. I was able to to see the things that they were doing and and, and what they were about. They were constantly with their little group of of students. They would take them shopping. They would go go out to eat. They would go do different things with their their students. And I remember this one time that, like, so on on Saturdays, our, our Home Depot next to our house had a hot dog cart. And so on Saturdays, my dad would go to Home Depot. I don't know if he went for anything other than hot dogs, but he would go on Saturdays to Home Depot. And he would take his boys with him. He would take the guys that are in his little small group. He would take these guys with him alongside to, to join him for Home Depot runs. And I remember asking my dad one time, I said, Dad, I'd like to go with you to go get some hot dogs and walk around Home Depot. And he said something to me that I've never forgotten, and it's, it, 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 it stuck with me. But he said, Ryan... You have a dad who loves you and who's there for you, and you know that. These boys don't. And someday that will make sense to you. And it has. That makes sense to me now. And I've never forgotten about that little interaction. I don't know... I don't know where these boys are now. I, I, I don't know what's happening in their life. I don't know what they're into. I don't know if, if, that, if that investment that was made, I don't know if it has produced anything. But I do know that then there in that moment that that meant everything for those boys. I do know that it meant something to them. And so a question I have for you. We're all on a journey. We're all, we're, all in, in, we're all going somewhere. So where are you going or what are you doing where you can invite someone in on a journey with you? Where are you going or what are you already doing that you can invite someone to Home Depot for some hot dogs? Who are those people that God has placed in your life around you? Who, who, who has God surrounded you with? These people that you can be intentional with. As you were going, make disciples. In the story of Philip, we, p- we can pick out three things, like three just very tangible things for us to understand and to, lo- and to look at, and these, these three truths on discipleship. And so I just want to walk through these um, for us today. And so the first one is be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he starts out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. If we were to back up a little bit and we were to look at, at the story of Philip like in a much, uh, a much broader scale, if we were to back up a few verses and really see kind of what's going on, we see that Philip's not just hanging out in some random town just waiting for his number to be called. He's not just 
pointlessly living his life, just waiting, waiting to do something that matters. Like, he, like he's in the midst of doing something that's really, really powerful and doing really, really cool things. Like we see in, chap, in uh, verse 6 of chapter 8, it says, Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. And then in verse 12, it says, But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And so when we see this, we, like, we read these things, like we can understand that like Philip is killing it. Like he, I mean, he's living the dream. Like he's in Samaria and like things are happening and lives are being changed and stories are being rewritten. Like he's, like he's, he's a mover and he's a shaker. And like there's this revival that's happening in Samaria because of Philip and, and things are happening. And, and so then he gets this, this call. The Spirit tells him that it's time to move. The Spirit tells him that the, that the kingdom is expanding and he needs him to go. And he, Philip, he has no idea where he's going. Last week, we talked about how we've all been intentionally hardwired to be creators and replicators. We've been intentionally created this way. And if God has done that, if God has created us to be creators and replicators, then won't he also put people in our life to intentionally share this journey with? And here's the hardest part for me to understand about it. For Philip, he's, I mean... Again, like he's, he's killing it there in Samaria. Like things are happening. He, I mean, he, lives were being changed. But the hard part for me is that sometimes the exact places that God is going to send us will be away from the crowds. It'll be away from the praise, away from the accolades, away from the attaboys. It'll be away from all of those things, away from the popular. And sometimes he may send us on a journey down a dirt road into the desert. But it is in those moments that God does the immeasurably more. It's in those moments where we say, less of me, more of you, and we follow. That God does the immeasurably more that we could ever think or imagine or dream. As you go, make disciples. And so here's the practical step in this. Be sensitive to the people that God is placing in your lives. Be sensitive to, to, to the people that God is putting around you and the things that are happening around you. If you feel a nudge towards a particular person, like, like maybe you're, 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 you're just kind of living your life and you, you feel that, man, I, I feel like I need to have an intentional conversation or an intentional relationship with that person. And maybe that's the Holy Spirit telling you to be, spirit, be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Number two, be sensitive to the starting point. Be sensitive to the starting point. Uh, verse 30 says, do you understand what you're reading? Well, how can I unless someone instructs me? Me. I'm a visual kinesthetic learner. I'm not an auditory learner. And, and like, I, 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 if, if you were, to, if you were t- to try and explain to me how to hula hoop. Like, you would just explain it. And you would tell me to go ahead and do it. Like, I mean, I, I, mean, I, have, no, I have no idea. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not that type of processor. I can't function. I can't understand things that way. But however, if you were to show me, if you were to hula hoop and show me how to do it, then I would understand what you're talking about. 
0% chance that I could still actually do it, but I would at least know what it is that you're talking about. All too often in the church world, I feel like, I feel like we expect people to know certain things. Or we expect them to understand certain truths. But the reality is, is if they've never, if, if, if people have never been taught these deeper things, if they've never been introduced to what a real life-giving, life-breathing relationship with Jesus looks like, then how would they know how to start? Philip didn't run over to the to this carriage and, and listen to the, the, the eunuch speaking. Like, he didn't run over to this person and say, hey, um, I'm, I'm going to need you to explain the difference in dispensational and covenant theology. Like that would have been a pointless conversation, right? He simply asked if he knew what it was that he was reading. He simply asked, like, do you understand? Do you know what's going on? Do you understand what's happening right now? And the cool part about this passage that, that uh, the, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, like the, the cool part about that is that, that um, the answer to his question, the answer to the eunuch's question was not made known to rabbis of that day. Like they, they, they weren't aware of, of who it was. Like they all, often, they, the, the religious leaders, they would debate like, well, is he talking about Jeremiah? Is he talking, is this, is this prophet someone else that he's speaking of? Like may, maybe an, another prophet that we're not even sure of? Like, like the answer, they, they had no idea. It was, it was nowhere in their frame of reference that that, that person that, that Isaiah was speaking about was Jesus. And so Philip, Philip used this, Sacred opportunity not just to answer the man where he was with the, the things that he was struggling to understand, but he introduced him to Jesus. As the church, as the church, isn't that kind of our responsibility? Isn't that kind of what we're supposed to be about? Meeting people where they are and then pointing them towards Jesus? Isn't that what we've been called to do? Isn't that what we've been designed and hardwired to do? If we, if we expect people to be someone or, or something that they're not, and we fail to miss the proper steps necessary for spiritual growth and guidance, then really we could just derail them on their own personal journey of trying to figure out what it means to to have this relationship with Jesus. I mean, if you think back on your own life, like did someone just toss you in a pool hoping that you could figure out how to swim? No, someone helped you. Did, 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 did you just wake up one day and just start walking? No, there's a process. Things had to happen. When you, when you come to the church, did you, do, do you understand? Like, did you believe and, or did you behave a certain way before you believed who it was that Jesus was and what he wanted from you? No. Be sensitive to the starting point. And number three, be sensitive to opportunities of growth. Verse 36 says, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. There's a book called Love Does by the author Bob Goff. 
And if you've never read it or never heard of it, I encourage you to check it out. It is such an incredible book. Um, but there's a story that Bob Goff is telling inside the book, and he, he, t- he tells about his young life leader, Randy. Randy, maybe for the first time, was the, per- the first person that pointed Bob Goff towards wh- what it means to have a real relationship with Jesus. He, 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 Randy helped Bob realize that, that he mattered and that Bob's story mattered and then the things that were going on in Bob's life, that, that, that those things mattered. And so there in high school, as, as, as Bob was kind of struggling through some things, not really sure what was going on, like he, he was really having a hard time with a bunch of different things happening in his life, Bob, kind of, he got to this point where he was like, I, I've got to get out of here. I have to leave. I don't know where I'm going, but I have to leave. I'm just quitting all of this. And so Bob, on his way out of town, he swings by Randy's house to tell Randy that he's leaving, to tell him bye. And so he gets there, and Randy, trying to figure out what's really going on and what's happening, he says, well, if if you're really leaving and I can't talk you out of it, how about I just come with you? How about I just, I'll just just join you on on your trip. And so they go to Yellowstone and they start camping and, and it's, it's there that they're, that they're hiking and having some conversations and just kind of talking through a lot of the big things that Bob is struggling with. And after a few days or whatever, they, Bob decides that, you know what, it, maybe I'll just go back home. Maybe it's better if I return back, back home. And so they go back and they get back to Randy's house. And so Bob walks in the house and he sees wedding gifts all over the place inside of Randy's house. And then he remembers that Randy had just gotten married. And that changed everything for Bob. He's like, how can this guy who has just gotten married, how can this guy who has, who has he's living his own life, he has his own things that are going on, he's, he's in the midst of doing something different. Like, why, why would he leave that to be with me and to go camping with me? And Bob realized that discipleship matters. And that it may not always be the same, but it's, sometimes it's a little messy, but it matters. And we now have, like, we, we have no idea what could have happened to Bob if Randy just let him go. Like the plans that, that God has had for Bob could have radically been altered if Randy didn't go on this trip with him. When we are intentional, when we're serious about being disciple makers, when we're serious about that, walking through life with people, journeying next to people, inviting them in on the stories that we're already living, there are going to be opportunities for growth. Lives will be changed. Things are going to happen. Sometimes these growth possibilities are, are spiritual. Sometimes they're, they're like a, they're, they're spiritual moments or spiritual trackers or, or, or whatever, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes these, these growth moments could be relational growth moments or physical growth moments or maybe even mental growth moments. But when we're t- intentional about discipling, like we're going to have these moments. So here's a practical example. 
A few years ago, one of the girls that Lara, my wife, was discipling, they, she, we, we, we were going to go out to lunch, the three of us, and just kind of talk through life and all that stuff. But, but I had just gotten back from getting my car fixed, and I found out that I had to spend like $11 million on a new radiator or something. Uh, and, and so we had to get this fixed. And so there at lunch, we were talking through, how are we going to pay for this? And so instead of Lara and I having this conversation separately, the two of us of, all right, what is that going to do to our budget? How do we figure this out? Where, what are we going to sell to try to pay for this? And instead of having that conversation, we had the conversation in front of this girl to let her know that real life is expensive sometimes, to let her know of the importance of putting money aside so that way when things like this come up that you can be prepared for. And so that was a very practical way that we were able to disciple this girl. I think for us that the word discipleship is scary, right? Like I, I think that we, when we hear it, we're like maybe a little freaked out or we don't, we don't really know what, what the response is that's happening inside of us, but that, it's a little scary, so we're hesitant to jump in. And maybe we don't know what to do. Maybe we don't know where to start. Maybe we don't know what it looks like or how to do it. Or maybe, we're, maybe we feel like, like inadequate. Like, man, who, who am I that I should be discipling? But then if you think about the people that Jesus chose, his disciples, and then he told them to go and make more disciples. Like that, I mean, that was a bunch of kids. And they changed the world. And the truth is that all of us, we have all been created to create and replicate, each one of us. And the story of Philip and the eunuch, it ended as soon as they came up out of the water. Like that's when their story together ended. Philip was, he was suddenly taken to Azotus where he began, or he went on preaching and teaching and, and making more disciples. But for the, the eunuch, it's believed by many that the reason Christianity went to Ethiopia was because of this eunuch. And so after just a, a, a few minutes of, of a very intentional conversation, of pointing someone towards Jesus, of trying to show someone what it means and, and what the scriptures are about and, 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 and what's happening after this short interaction, that Ethiopian eunuch was radically transformed. And we can say that his country was radically transformed as well. And so as we, as we close out today, as we close out this series on movement, as we, as we wrap up this, this conversation on discipleship, I want to make sure that we understand that there's, that there's something bigger that's taking place. There's something more that's happening. I believe with all that I have that when the church gets serious about the things that Jesus was serious about, when we take this, this calling to disciple, that lives are going to be changed, that generation after generation after generation will be radically transformed. So church, will we, will we be serious about investing in the next generation, in raising up a new generation of Christ-centered leaders. It's not just my job. 
And it's not just your job, but it's all of our jobs. It's a collective unit. We're in this together. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the passage that we started this whole series with. Um, It says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you were at home and when you were on the road, when you were going to bed and when you were getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Even then, even way back then, God knew that it was a, as you were going, make disciples. It's not just a command to go to some place, but it's the, as you live your life, as you're walking down the streets, as you're sitting at home, as you're raising your children, as you're being intentional with your neighbors, as you go, make disciples. So I'm going to close this out and maybe ask you to do something a little uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with you being uncomfortable, but I want you to think of someone. Think of the person, like, like right now, just in this moment, like think of someone that God has placed on your heart. Someone, it, it could be a coworker. It could be, it could be a neighbor. It could be uh, a, your, your son's baseball coach. I mean, it, it could be anyone. But think of someone. Think of someone that God is placing on your heart to be intentional with. Find someone that, that God is wanting you to disciple. And when you have that person, I want you to write their name on the bottom of your worship guide. If you don't have a worship guide, write it on your arm. <laughs> but whatever, whoever this is, I would find someone that you can be intentional with. And then here's the uncomfortable part. I want you to pursue them. Go talk to them. Go tell them that you want to begin an intentional relationship with them. Invite them to a bigger and a better and a, a far sweeter story. As you were going, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This movement, it has the power and the potential to change everything. So will you join me and take serious this calling to make disciples? Father God, I love you so much. I thank you for who you are and for what you're about. I thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for this series and how how tough it's been for me to really take a look at my life and to, to, to be intentional with the people in my life and how eye-opening it is. God, I pray for our church that, that as we go, that, that we would be on mission every day. That we would do what we can to point people towards you and to make you more and more famous. God, I pray that we would be able to learn and really rest in your presence. 
and rest in this unforced rhythm that you give us. So God, we love you, and it's your name we pray. Amen.